4,976 people were killed in the first three months of 2021. This is 387 more people killed compared to the corresponding Welcome to Unsolved Murders SA, a podcast series where we will be delving into gruesome homicide investigations that, at the time of producing the episodes, were still open. The objective of this series is to keep the stories of the forgotten alive and hopefully help spark a memory for anyone listening in with intimate knowledge of the cases. The views, information or opinions expressed in this series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Swisher Post, its parent company and partners. Before we get into this episode, we'd like to thank you in advance for subscribing to our podcast. Every like, comment and subscription goes a long way in helping us grow our Unsolved Murders essay community. If you're a new listener, then please do us a favor and subscribe to our channel. Unsolved Murders Essay is available on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. You can also find the latest updates on South African true crime stories at swisherpost.co.za. Fatima Patel was a 28-year-old mother of three children from Laudium Pretoria. She and her two sisters, Shakira Chinara and Rubina Good, were raised by their mother, Feroza Chinara. She met and fell in love with Ramiz Patel in 2006, and a year later, the two exchanged vows and settled down in Nirvana Polokwane, where they enjoyed a peaceful life. Or so it seems. Fatima was a stay-at-home wife and Ramiz was a successful entrepreneur with a number of wholesale retailers in Bulugwan. Together, they raised three children. Fatima was brutally murdered inside her home on Friday, 10 April 2015. She had just returned from visiting family. Earlier that fateful week, Fatima and her children had paid for Rukchunara, her uncle, a visit in Laudium. Chunara recalled how, during their conversation, Fatima forged happiness. When he'd asked her about this, she promised to return two days later to talk about it. Open quote. I somehow sensed that she was not telling the truth because her eyes told a different story. She promised to visit me on Wednesday, and I was hoping to have a talk with her in the hope that she would open up, close quote, he said. This would be the last time Chinara saw Fatima alive. Fatima and the kids spent the rest of the week at her sister Rubina Good's place in St. Curion. According to Rubina, Fatima cut her stay short and returned home to surprise her husband and help her mother-in-law pack for an international trip. Fatima left Rubina's place on Thursday and this was the last time her family saw her alive. Ramiz's actions on the day he found his wife's battered body lying in a pool of blood inside their home raised suspicion. According to investigating officer Constable David Nguna, 
who testified in court during trial proceedings. Shortly after Fatima's body was discovered, he left his home and drove to his uncle's house to take a bath, effectively removing all trace evidence. Then he changed his clothes at least three times that day and refused to hand over the outfit he wore when he supposedly stumbled on Fatima's body to police who were working tirelessly to piece together the events that transpired that fateful Friday. Ramiz's version of events is that he was out and about that day and had arrived home in the afternoon to find his wife lying in a pool of blood. Ramiz has long maintained that a burglar had invaded the couple's home and killed Fatima. However, nothing was stolen and police who'd combed the house in search of traces left by the burglar found no signs of forced entry. This led investigators to believe that if the burglar's story was to be entertained, then whoever entered the home must have had keys to the entry doors. Ramiz was placed under arrest and charged with killing his wife six days later on 16 April 2015. Police were confident their case against him was strong. After war, his alibi was weak and could not be supported by witnesses. His behavior on the day of the murder was bizarre and to say the least, and as it turns out, he may have had a motive to murder his wife. We will get to the latter a little later on in this episode. After a number of appearances, the Pulukwana High Court determined Ramiz was not a flight risk and so he was released on 250,000 rand bail. Initially, the trial was scheduled to start on 15 February 2016, but the state at the time had asked for a postponement due to the mysterious disappearance of two crucial witnesses. The witnesses, two Zimbabwean nationals who worked for Patel, managed to escape from the witness protection program only days before the commencement of the trial. This forced the court to postpone the trial to the 1st of August 2016. It would be the first of many postponements to hamper the trial, which has yet to take off in 2022. Fatima's family was one of the first set of witnesses the state called up to testify against Ramiz when the trial first commenced in August 2016. According to Farosa, shortly after the birth of her third child in December 2014, Fatima had paid her a visit and revealed during a conversation that all was not well in her marriage. Contrary to the facade displayed by Ramiz, things were falling apart at home. Farosa told the court that her daughter had been informed by Ramiz that he wanted to end things. Shakira Chinara also testified against her brother-in-law. She told the court that Ramiz owned a firearm and he always carried it whenever he was on patrol as a member of Nirvana's neighborhood watch. 
He usually carried it in a brown bag, but when investigators searched his premises for the weapon that killed Fatima, the gun was never found. Shakira also told the court that in her encounters with Ramiz after the murder, she noticed he had scratch marks on his neck. A sighting corroborated by police and Fatima's uncle Farouk, who also testified at the trial. According to Farouk, his suspicions grew when he noticed a change in Ramiz's behavior. He was never one to wear jackets, but coincidentally, after Fatima's murder, he was rarely seen with his arms bare. Remember, as we detailed in part one of the story, which we highly recommend you go listen to before you carry on further with this episode, Fatima had defensive wounds on her face, neck and arms. This would indicate that she had fought for her life and possibly left scratch marks on the murderer. Proceedings were delayed in October 2016 and when they resumed in that same month, the court heard testimony from a domestic worker, Sara Malachi, who worked at a neighbor's house. Sara recalled that on that fateful day, she had heard a gunshot, followed by a woman's blood-curdling scream coming from the Patel home. Shortly before that, she had observed the couple's eldest son getting into a white car and another silver-gray car speeding out of the complex. As it would later be revealed in court, at least one of the cars was occupied by Danford Gundiza, who just so happened to be one of the two key state witnesses that had escaped the witness protection program. According to Gundiza, he was outside the house on the day of the murder and had heard Fatima telling Ramiz to return with boxes from the shop. Things were heated between the couple and Gundiza remembered hearing Fatima scream, open quote, tell me the truth, why are you lying, close quote. At around 2 p.m., Ramiz called Gundiza to the car, saying they had to go to the shop. On the way, Ramiz picked up a friend and drove back home. Gundiza told the court that all he remembers is that he was told to stay in the car while Ramiz and the friend went into the house. Four days after Fatima's death, Gundiza recalled Fatima's scream and asked Ramiz why his wife needed boxes. His response was that she wanted to move out of the house. This remark became the center of the state's argument on the motive behind the brutal murder. Before we get into that, another witness testimony is worth mentioning. Sibongi Lenguenya was employed by the Patels as a domestic worker. Sibongi Lenguenya was employed as the Patels' domestic worker. Nguenya was the other key witness who, along with Gundiza, had escaped the witness protection program for reasons associated with remuneration and living conditions under police watch. 
when she finally did take the stand, Gwenya revealed that while she was not present at the time Fatima was murdered, she and the children were transported away from the home by Ramiz's brother, Razin, hours earlier, who took them to his workplace. This could have been the other vehicle Sarah, the neighbor's domestic worker, saw Fatima's eldest son getting into shortly before the gunshot and screams rang off. Gwenya told the court that she returned to the property with Ramiz later that day. When she went into the house, she saw pools of blood in the kitchen and that's when she alerted Ramiz who saw Fatima's body and started screaming. Bizarrely, however, instead of contacting police, Ramiz made sure Nguenya did not enter the house. Following the discovery, Nguenya and Ramiz went to his parents' house. There, Nguenya recalled, she was visited by a man who identified himself as a policeman. The two exchanged words briefly and when the man had left, Ramiz's mother, Mahajibin Banu Batal, probed her about what she had told the policeman. The mother warned Nguenya about talking herself into trouble. The following day, an unidentified driver picked up Nguenya and they drove to a business parking lot. They were there to meet another individual a man who identified himself as her lawyer. The lawyer probed Mgwenya about what she knew about the murder of Fatima. Bizarrely, the lawyer warned Mgwenya that someone was looking for her and when asked by police who her legal representation was, she ought to mention him and indicate that she was referred to him by a friend. Gwenya, however, never accepted the man's legal aid. The Patel domestic worker also strengthened the case with two crucial pieces of evidence. A gun owned by Ramiz that Shakira had already confirmed exists and a letter written by Fatima where she had detailed the true nature of her marriage. Fatima was of the belief that Ramiz's parents were not fond of her. This could explain why she went the extra mile and cut her family holiday short to help Mahajibin pack for her international trip. The letter also lent credence to the possible motive behind Fatima's murder. Ramiz as it turns out, was involved in an extramarital relationship with a woman named Nazreen Mayet. Abdul Nazim, who is Nazreen's ex-husband, was brought into court to clarify certain details of the affair. He told the Pologwane High Court that the first time he became aware of the lusty affair between Nazreen and Ramiz was in August 2014. 
The lovers had met at the school their children attended and sparked a heated romance. Despite his best efforts, Abdul could do nothing to stop Nazarim from making every effort possible to see and spend time with Ramiz. In October 2014, he invited Ramiz and Fatima to a restaurant where he, in the presence of his ex-wife, advised the lovers to end the affair. Ramiz agreed to stop seeing Nazarene, but of course, this was never the case. On the 2nd of September 2014, Ramiz and Nazarene approached their respective partners separately to ask for an end to their marriage. By January 2015, Nazarene had successfully divorced Abdul but Ramiz was still living with his wife and children. Ramiz assisted Nazreen with moving out of her place in Bendor village and into a house he rented for her in Saisad estate. Questions remain unanswered about what Fatima may have stumbled upon when she returned from her Gauteng trip unannounced that Thursday evening. Investigating officer Muhammad Wahab, who read the sworn statements submitted by Nguenya and Kundiza in court, revealed that Ramiz had spent time with Nazreen at least two nights before Fatima's murder. Abdul also admitted that on several occasions after the divorce was finalized in January 2015, he would bump into the lovers at various locations. Nguenya had informed police that she heard Ramiz reveal to at least four of his friends that he had done away with Fatima. It was at Mahajibin's residence that she had heard this. Gwenya wrote in her sworn statement that she was at the corridor leading from the lounge when she specifically heard Ramiz describe to his friends how he had struck Fatima repeatedly with a cricket bat to silence her. When she fell to the ground, Gwenya recalls Ramiz admitting he'd strangled her. Before he could reveal any more information, Ramiz and his friends were alerted to Nguenya's presence and immediately he paused and said, open quote, Game's over. We'll tell you tomorrow what happened. Close quote. State pathologist Dr. Arnold Mamashela informed the court that Fatima's chances of survival were minimal due to the brutality of the attack. Her face was battered by a blunt object. Her throat bone was completely crushed and she was shot in the head. At first, Razin had defended his brother in court and corroborated much of his defense. When he first took the stand in October 2016, Razin had strengthened the burglary story with the claim that Fatima's handbag was nowhere to be found. 
He had also indicated that around the time of the murder, the residential complex's electric fence was offline, making it possible for an intruder to enter and exit without harm. Razine's stance would change in October 2018, but hours before testifying against his brother, he was shot four times. Miraculously, Razine survived the attack, and immediately thereafter, he fled to the United Kingdom, citing fears of his safety as the reason. Assisted by the state, Razine returned to South Africa in November of that year, where he took the stand and told the court Ramiz had handed him a box containing blood-stained clothing and a firearm. Razine said he was instructed to hide the box at a warehouse and await further instructions. Shortly after Ramiz was arrested, Nazreen contacted Razim and collected the box. Razim, apparently afraid for his life, informed his parents about what Ramiz had done. Bizarrely, both of the brothers' parents would die under suspicious circumstances shortly thereafter. This brings us to the end of part of this episode. If you are listening to this episode and happen to have information that could help investigators, please contact SAPS's toll-free crime stop number at 08600 10 Thank you for listening.